Hi, my name is Nathan Cook and you're listening to HDR Brews, in other words, high degree researchers drinking coffee. This small show is designed for academics to put their research interests in the spotlight. Please sit, learn and enjoy a cuppa while we do too. Hello and welcome to HDR Brews, in other words, high degree researchers drinking coffee. This episode's researcher is Alex Manson and a cup of coffee is brought to you at home. I'm actually at home on the Gold Coast still. I just quickly ran down to the coffee shop to get some fresh beans for the show. I'm um, having just a long black. I've run out, run out of milk as well. Uh, Alex is down in Flinders University in Adelaide. What are you drinking, Alex? I'm having a skinny latte. I went downstairs to our nice coffee shop at Flinders Sturt campus and got myself that. So, Yum. Yeah. There's lots of... Uh, it's a good place to be at a uni for coffee. It always seems to be like... Um, there's either it's like a library, a few buildings, and then there's like 15, 20 coffee shops full of people. So yeah, it's and um, always so busy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I couldn't imagine working in one of them. Like, just be flat out all the time, yeah. um, morning to night. So, uh, thank you so much for coming on today. So, Alex and I met at the Dietitians Australia 2022 conference at her your hometown. You're from Adelaide, hey? Yeah, I am. Yeah, and it was a really nice time. Uh, met lots of other PhD students, and so. Um, I invited Alex on today to kind of discuss her, her research and she also had um, some exciting media stuff happen um, when I, I first met her not too long before. So we might get into that as well. But first of all, Alex, what is your area of research? Yeah, well, so all of the research I do is public health nutrition um, based and mainly all within kind of children and families and what we can do to better support them. Um, so specifically my kind of PhD is all about parent perspectives on having a school provided meal system in Australia. Um, yeah, so it's all about if parents are interested and if they are interested, kind of what specifically are they looking for in a system, um, to really help inform our next steps in that space. And is it, um, primary and secondary or just one or the other? At the moment, I I was going to do primary to start with, and then as all good PhDs do, I changed it up and decided I'm going to just speak to all parents and then find out if there are differences in do people want this more in primary, do they want this more in secondary, and things like that. So I ended up with a big old... (laughs) Yeah, a big mix, yeah. (laughs) It's it's interesting because, you know, growing up in Australia, it's something that you see on TV. Like if you watch like a cartoon of, um, you know, actual you know, uh, I guess drawings of, of characters doing stuff or you watch like a like a like a soap opera show for kids, I guess, mm. like iCarly or I don't even know what they're yeah. called. Like a show on Nickelodeon. Like so you wanna Yeah, yeah, that's right. And these students are like they're at school eating lunch and you kind of like, What what is this? Like this is so different to what we do in Australia and I think I you know, not from my experience going to school we didn't have that. Uh, you were you the same? Yeah, no, we definitely didn't have that. Or lunch boxes and canteens. Yeah, and canteens, true. And then also, mm-hmm. I think, I, th- I think it's one. You probably be more familiar with it in in Tasmania are doing it. I th- mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, Tassie have done a trial. So they started it. They did a first kind of small pilot in twenty twenty, and it was really successful. Um, so they ended up going ahead and getting some great funding and they've rolled it out across I think 20 or something schools oh, wow. um, which is really cool um, so yeah we're starting to see that, that people are interested in Australia and doing it so it was fitting to kind of as I started my PhD going well maybe I'll just find out exactly what parents want how does that differ for parents in different areas and different socio demographics and how can we kind of meet those parent needs 
I've got so many questions in my head already. Is it a inclusion in school fees? That's such a good question. It's been something that we've been really interested in and one of my kind of studies is all about the cost and would parents be willing to pay and if so, how much um, to kind of inform what a pricing structure would even look like. Because some countries, so UK, US, have a means-tested subsidised system. So some people, um, low-income families might get the meals for free while others pay a small fee and then the government contributes as well. Whereas other countries, it's fully parent paid or other way around, it's fully government paid. Um, and we have no idea what it would look like in Australia, which is something we kind of need to know to get, to go to that next stage and get some funding to support this and things like that. Um, so hopefully we'll get to find out a little bit more about that. But yeah, it's a really interesting one. And just um, familiar on your timeline, you've have have you confirmed yet or not yet? No, my com- confirmation is next month. Okay, cool, exciting. And so we've got plenty of time for you to try and find out these answers, which is really good to know. It's not like we're Definitely. at the end and we've gone, no, oh, no, no, we haven't uh, found them yet. So that's really yeah. cool. The um, the other question I had was, is this, the, I guess, the, the desire and the purpose to have this, is this to provide students or children with a better nutrition environment and to get them eating better or is it just to save parents time and effort and the care of making the um like my mum I I had a plain white no crust cheese and butter sandwich every day like a very plain little boy um but is what what is the purpose of this uh change so interesting because I guess we kind of started so I did my honours in 2020 and it was all about looking at what kids are eating in school using a national sample um, and found that it was quite poor nutritionally and really high in discretionary choices which kind of led us to go yeah like perhaps it's time to investigate this change but then as especially as I've started this PhD and some other school food related work I've kind of gone there are so many other benefits for this other than just you know improving diet quality because as I've gone into it there's so much um literature around food insecurity and trying to avoid that the potential to make it a more sustainable reduced food waste and that's something you're interested in um a system that yeah benefits parents so takes that burden off parents um a system that makes things more consistent so families or children across like all um, demographics have access to the same food um which isn't like current in this um system Mm. at the moment different families might get um, a meal when they arrive to school while others might not um, and it's meeting the needs of the entire population so yeah it's been interesting as I've kind of delved into it and you know just been doing my literature review recently and gone there's so many more benefits and ended up with not just the nutrition subheading there's the nutrition there's the equality there's the education there's the attendance benefits um, so it spans a lot further than I thought it would and that's not even touching on the benefits for like for families as well that's so cool to have, you know, to open so many new doors, especially like in the time of youth, like, and that will be so cool in your presentation in a month's time when you go, you know, we went in with this idea and look what mm. we've found. Like we've, you know, we can impact not only um, children, but like their families and, and like you said, the education, their understanding of food. Um, I really like the point about equality and how every kid's going to get the same, you know, food. Um mm. I guess, opportunity at school, which is really cool. 
um, yeah. for different like socioeconomic factors or kids who don't go to school with lunch or they take they get money for tuck shop like uh, I had kids that I went to school with um, who didn't have their lunch made for them or um, had to make their own lunch which is you know fine you're a young adult but also we just we just had just had money to purchase food every day um, yeah. so that's really cool to see the differences that you'll be able to try and find yeah it would be really great it'd be great there's so many other benefits of all children having the same food as well you know that kind of positive peer environment and a healthy food environment um as well as just making sure like we've got this great opportunity schools have reached to practically every australian child um so this would be a great opportunity to be like make sure every child every weekday receives a meal um so hopefully um, we'll find some interest and be able to see where it goes in the next few years. And in terms of the food service, so like I'm looking at hospital food service, which is a, a bit different, but would it be some sort of um, bulk, uh, you know, like when you walk past like with the tray and put what you want on it or you'd ask, you know, can I please have this or do you get flagged if you don't go up and get your food? You know, you mm. know, Johnny didn't eat today at lunch. He didn't, wasn't hungry. Or how does the how does the system work? Yeah. So how we're kind of thinking of it at the moment is basing it on like looking at all the different countries and what they do, as well as what we do here in Australia and child cares. Um, so we're not exactly sure, and hopefully I'll ask parents about that. What would you like it to look like? Would you like your child to serve themselves? Would you like them to be given? Um, their different foods so I think it'll be really interesting to look into but yeah there's so many different options of what it could look like I think in my head I'm leaning towards the most suitable option would be kind of an on-site prepared meal then it's make sure it's really fresh um children go up receive an optional or two for their lunch so most children have the same thing I think too many options can kind of overwhelm choice and isn't really feasible um yeah, and then every child has a fairly similar meal and sits down and eats it either in their classroom or a dedicated kind of eating space. Um, and I would like to say I think there's lots of benefits of children serving themselves, um, but it's tricky when you've got younger ones as well, so you have to kind of balance it out. But definitely if we're going to do something like this in the senior schools. Yeah, well, that's amazing. And I guess mm. even like the choices, I know that we do in, I think it's hospital food service, it's like a different two different choices every day for like a two-day, two-week two cycle. Um, yeah. And so it's like um, d- would kids understand the, uh, I guess not the complexity. I guess it probably is the complexity of like making a menu for, you know, mm. you know, a thousand kids at lunch. Like it's pretty hard to like fix everyone's, um, you know, nutritional requirements or their desire or like their allergy or uh, serving sizes like, so hopefully they understand like, well, you know, every two weeks on a Monday, it's pasta or fish. Like that's just, we can't provide McDonald's and or something different every Monday, you know? Mm, definitely. And hopefully that's something we find out um, in part of my studies when I ask parents, like, would your child actually want this and would they be happy to have something like this or do they just not interested at all? Because um, I think that will really inform if children don't want it and they're not going to eat it, the system won't work. Mm. Um, so I think it would be really interesting to explore a bit more, but it would be good to see some options in there because we know kids benefit from that. And I think to make a system that would really work, um, 
you'd have to engage the kids in it a bit more and make sure that they get to see the other side of it, how the food's being prepared and could be a cool way to learn some cooking skills and things like that um, and engage in, you know, home economics classes. Yeah. Like that, so. I really like yeah, that because even... a lot of potential. Sorry, what was that? There's a lot of potential. Yeah, because I even think like, you know, I think in primary school we had, you know, class, like in year one there was four classes and it's like each class you know, across all the a primary or high school could go into the kitchen and on whatever day and see how it's done or chop the veggies or I don't, I don't know, but like get them in, you know, you wouldn't want six-year-olds cutting up carrots, but um, like, uh, like you said, getting involved with the whole food service, the food system, and that could even tie into all the other research that's going on about local food production and, and people's connection to nature, things like that. That's very cool. Yeah, definitely. It's really interesting. So hopefully I'll get to find out a bit more about if parents are interested and if they are, what exactly would it want to, what they want it to look like and yeah, how would it actually work in the schools? Because it is quite a big idea and it's quite ambitious to change our entire food system in our schools. Um, so I think it will really help to have build this evidence base and kind of go, what exactly do we need it to look like to be a really good, strong, acceptable system? Um, yeah. And kids don't have to bring, like, could they just still bring their lunch if they don't want to? Or yeah, that that's something that's really interesting because some of the systems are universal, so every child's provided a meal, uh, either they pay for it or it's subsidised, um, but every child is provided with one versus some other systems where it's optional, which is like what happens in the UK and the US. So some children bring packed lunches, some children receive the meal, um, which can be quite tricky in terms of logistics of that. Um, but I think it will be interesting in Australia. I think it will be really quite tricky to go full transformation when a lot of parents are so used to having that responsibility themselves and aren't quite willing to hand over and feel like, you know, they're losing that, that role, especially when it comes to things like allergies and picky eating where parents parents do know their child best and know what might be best for them to be provided with and what they're actually going to consume. So I think that will be something that's really important to look into, whether it would need to be one fits all um, to make it a functioning system that's actually going to be cost effective at all, or whether it needs to be an opt-in system so parents can go, oh yeah, he has the school meal Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but on Thursday, Friday, I packed his lunch and things like that. So it'll be interesting to explore that. I've got some other questions which I'll hold off mm. on because they'll, they'll tie into something on later. But you did mention your um, – thanks so much for sharing, by the way. It's so cool. This is very interesting. Um, of course. I love talking about it. I'm very <laughs> passionate about it, clearly. The, uh, your research pathways, you did mention you, that you did honours. Um, mm. Can you tell me how you got into university in the first place, you know, all the way from, you know, your first degree, first subject to where you are now? Yeah, so I guess when I was in school, I kind of developed this interest in nutrition and as kind of a young female, you being exposed to so many different voices in nutrition and you have no idea what's right and it's really hard to filter through. Um, so that's where I kind of ended up going, I want to do nutrition and dietetics. I think it's really important to have those credible voices out there and really I wanted myself to kind of understand what was even right anyway. So came to Flinders and did my undergrad here, um, nutrition and dietetics. And then at the end, or towards the end of that, um, I decided I was tossing up, do I want to do honours? It's a lot of extra work. It's crammed into that fourth year. 
um, which is great because you don't have, have any extra time, but just means you have a really busy jam-packed last year. I was kind of umming and ahhing, and then I finally went, you know what, I'll do it. Um, and it came to picking the different topics, and I thought, you know, I want to do something childhood nutrition-related and had one that was all about school food and ended up picking that. So I think it's funny that it went from one selection to <laughs> all the way here now. Um, but then I had all my placements in third year, uh, in fourth year, sorry, which gave me a good opportunity to kind of see all the different areas. Um, had my clinical placement and found that I definitely knew that wasn't for me. Um, I didn't really enjoy that kind of hospital setting and found it quite o overwhelming. Um, and then I really enjoyed, I had one in a school, which I absolutely loved, my community public health placement. Um, so that was why I was going, I absolutely really want to stay in kind of this school setting. And I really love working with people. Um, and then I really quite liked my food service placement as well, but that was in a children's hospital here. So um, I think it all fits nicely and probably gave, gave me a really good experience. Um, and then, yeah, did my honours and absolutely loved it. I thought it was a really cool experience. and. I really liked the way I felt that research you could impact on a larger scale. I think some of the things, especially with clinical, that I didn't like as much was I only felt like I could help one person if that person didn't want want to have the help at all, which is quite common in hospitals. A lot of people go, "No, like I'm okay." Um, you couldn't you couldn't do anything. You weren't helping people, and I felt like there was greater potential to make a change and improve health, kind of downstream and at the start especially at that childhood stage rather than letting people go through their life and be filled with misinformation and lack of information um, and end up with poor health outcomes at the end um, so yeah absolutely loved my honours um, so that was a six-month honours and then at the end of that there was a job that came up in the exact same team um, for RA work the next year and I said of course I'm interested applied and was successful at that which was great um, so I spent all of 2021 working. Um, so I've come straight from school to uni to work. And then halfway through last year went, you know what? I, I like this. I really want to stay in this area. I'm not done learning, I don't think. Um, I'm just going to apply for a PhD and ended up working out. And really great that I could get the topic that I exactly wanted this topic in school food kind of designed my own project which was really great and such a cool experience the super, same supervisors I had for my honours as well which is a real great experience too and then yeah began at the start of this year so it's been a really good experience and stayed at Flinders the whole time and stayed within the team for all of my research experience that's so cool what a nice journey to go from like, hey, should I take this up? Yep, yeah, I'm going to bite the bullet, do my honours. And it's like I did, the, we had the same system at Griffith, the six-month, we do it before placement. And it's mm -hmm. um, it's like a very stressful year that you have your placement and your honours in the one, you know, um, in 12-month period. And then you've come out the other side and said, hey, do you want a job, Alex? Yep. Uh, and so what was that uh, research assistant work doing? Is it similar stuff or...? Yeah, so everything our team does is kind of that children and families, nutrition, public health research. Um, so a lot of the stuff I did last year, I did a little bit of school food stuff, um, as well as a lot of childcare stuff. So part of this study called VegKit, where we go into childcares um, and we were looking at these different initiatives and whether they improve children's dietary intake. Um, during the childcare time. And so we were doing plate waste measurements, which I absolutely loved. 
Sorry. Um, yeah. Absolutely love because you were kind of in that setting with the kids all day. It was so fun, like they're running around you and you're weighing their plates. Um, so it was a really cool experience and that was nice to have some hands-on kind of data collection stuff as well. Um, and then, yeah, I did a few other different projects and tool validation and lots of writing and reading and learning um, and kind of went, yeah, this is where I want to be and the PhD is the best place to, best way to do it because then you get kind of three years locked in um yeah that's amazing team and get to work exactly on the area you want to and your experience in developing your own project that's very cool so i haven't so i i applied for my honors which is already a written project i applied for my Mm. phd already written project so it's really cool to see that you've had the skill and the i guess the realization to see the gap in the research and be like i can make something around this to fix that problem so that's a very cool thing that you've been able to do so well done Thank you. It was a cool experience. Yeah, my honours was the same. It was all there for me. Uh, I guess that's the thing about doing a short honours too. Um, but yeah, this, I kind of I knew that was a, an option to do one in the school food space and who the supervisors would be and stuff. And so I kind of went, well, if this is what I mean. I'm interested in parents and I'm interested in hearing their perspectives. And they said, yeah, great. Well, how about this? And how about this? And I went, yeah, I want to do this and this and this. And we all kind of got to say everything I wanted and then just with some light guidance of okay let's be realistic about what fits into a three-year time frame um yeah it could kind of guide my my own project which was really cool that's very cool I do really admire that whole explanation of how you've gone from uh you know undergrad nutrition wanting to learn about nutrition as like Mm. as you said a female you know so many different voices now to being like you know the the expert in in a particular area um, for providing nutrition to children at school. It's very cool. Mm-hmm. And you've said it so many times, and I'm going to buy it, I'm just going to ask it now. So your PhD is going to be qualitative. Is that right? It's a bit of a combo. So I've only ever done quant. Yeah. Pretty much. So it's a bit scary to do qual. I guess my studies, um, one's a kind of cost analysis, one's a systematic review, um, which is qualitative and quantitative um, data that I'll be pulling out. Then I've got some nominal group technique kind of workshops that I'm planning. And, of course, this is the plan. You never know what's going to happen um, mm. that I'm planning to do. And so hopefully I'll get a combination there um, of some qualitative results as well as people kind of ranking their priorities and that will give some quant. And then my last study will be kind of a DCE at this point. So it will be all about what parents are wanting to, like, choosing their priorities. Um, so that will all be quant as well. Um, so it will be interesting, though, because those really rich kind of qualitative data, I think, will be really essential in informing all of my results. Um, so, yeah, it's a bit of a fun combo and it will be a cool experience to kind of try the qual um experience because i really haven't done it before and it'll be such a cool pd kind of opportunity it's a very i I didn't i was very novice walking into research i didn't really know the difference i was like what am i going to do and i'm mine's more qualitative now because Mm. of doing interviews covid whatever with food waste in hospitals but i love qualitative like i could sit down with someone and just talk all day like and just but you don't have that capacity right you know you've got you got a million things to do as a phd student but when you collect that data in a qual setting, it's so nice just to sit with someone and just talk and be like, you know, yeah. what did you, you know, asking them about their perspective because we come in with, you know, all the literature in our background, in our, in our head 
and we have a theoretical idea of what the answer is and then someone comes and you know runs over it with the bus <laughs> with their qualitative <laughs> opinion yeah. they're the people who work in the space it's very cool to have that contrast um but yeah. i'm very interested yeah, the quantitative stuff i'm very interested to know how it's going to work so are you going to like develop a list and then say hey what do you think is the most important out of this list or will they develop their own list of priorities and then give that to you and then you have to group them all together is that kind of what you mean mm. so the plan is so the systematic review i've got we'll be pulling out all the different kind of attributes um of interest so parents are concerned about the food environment they're looking at policy they are interested in this they're interested in the cost of the meals and kind of have those as my key kind of ideas which i'll then discuss in those workshops um to get both of the qual and quant data and go how would you prioritize these are they what's most important to you um and give me a little bit more explanation of what that would look like to you um and really get that rich qualitative results about the description and then once I know kind of those specific different attributes and what people have described that they would look like, that's what I'll put into that final survey of going, okay, so people said that they might be interested in having one meal option, children eat in this setting, um, they have a meal that's environmentally conscious um, versus they have a meal and it costs this much um, with these details and then, yeah, kind of informs those different as aspects. Um, and then I guess the other thing I've also got is I'm forming an advisory group, which will be a really cool experience. Um, so getting people with lived experience to really tell me and um, inform me of what's realistic and what's feasible and what would actually work in the settings that they work and live and um, live with their children in. So I think that will be a really useful kind of different aspect that will help to inform all of those different attributes and what they actually look like. That's amazing. And so is the advisor group part of the research or more so an extracurricular outside of the PhD to help you support your findings? Mm, so I won't be doing any data collection with them. It will mainly be just having informal conversations and them mm. helping me to kind of go, what is actually these different, what do these mean? Um, it is part of my PhD, but it's, yeah, it's not part of the one of the studies. It's just kind of sits alongside as a really useful extra opportunity and gives me a good opportunity to kind of work with people, something I really love doing as well. And you mentioned DCE. Can you explain that to the listeners and myself? Oh, yes. Is that all right? I know. Yes, I get so used to saying your, like the abbreviations of the areas you work in. It's just it's a, a discrete choice experiment. And I'm not an expert in it because I haven't even done it yet. It's just the plan at this stage. Um, but essentially, it's a survey that gives people a series of different choices. Um, so saying, for example, uh, this service might be if you're choosing between two different doctor services, you go, this one's 10 kilometres away, that one's five kilometres away. This one will cost you bulk bill of, you know, it will bulk bill you, this one will cost you $10 gap. Which one would you be more interested in? And kind of get that priority from different families. Um, so that's what I'll be doing for my final, at this stage, at, for my final study of going, what would you like in, in this school food potential system? Or what would you like if it was a, still the same system it is now versus a school food one? And then getting um, a range of different kind of descriptives of those people themselves, so their different socio-demographics, and having a look at the relationships between those. So are people of one socio-demographic prioritising different things? versus a different one to see if that system would need to be different for different people in different schools and different settings. 
That's very cool. I never heard of that method. I like that. Discreet yeah. choice. It's nothing like the supermarket. I get overwhelmed and it's like, what, you know, what packet of noodles are we having this week for dinner? Like, whereas it's like A or B, bang, like not, yeah. much, not hard, to, not, not, not a hard decision, but something that gives you, um, like points you in the right direction of what you think, um, the person would want in terms of priority. Definitely. Yeah, so it'll be really interesting to do. I think it'll be tricky to develop, but I'm excited for the challenge um, next year. Hopefully, it will be. I don't. This is just coming to my head. I don't think you could do this because it's probably like bias. But my mum works in council, and they're, they're like building a tram here on the Gold Coast. Mm. And the way they they really wanted the tram stop at stop A, and mm. so then they provided the community with with option A and option B. But option B was so shit that no one would ever pick it. So although they provided the community the option to pick, they have a very strong belief and it did work out that everyone picked A because B was yeah. so bad. You could you couldn't do that, right? You wouldn't want to you want to get the exact experience or exact choice that that person wants, but you you wouldn't because that's like fabricating your results really. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I wouldn't want to do that. I yeah. think that would be like going, "Oh, would you like the same everything the same as it is and we don't improve anything and it's all really hard and the burdens on you and we're even going to have more restrictions and guidelines on what you can even pack, which makes it even more challenging. Or would you like a free system where children get all these options and it's so great and it's also easy like I think, yeah, you have to find that balance of going what's actually realistic. And I think hopefully the advisory group will be the perfect way to kind of go what is actually a fair system and what is kind of what are the what's realistically equal in the improvements or the changes or things like that. So we're not posing two completely polar opposite options and going, oh, they definitely want it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. anyone reading that, yeah, that's right. <laughs> now, that wasn't that, that wasn't a dig or anything at your design. That oh, was, no, I was, no. That was just an example. Really interesting. Yeah. You don't think about those things, but, yeah, I guess it, that's a risk in research sometimes of, you know, inaccurate kind of questions and inaccurate reporting of things. Um, but, no, hopefully avoiding all of that and making it a really fair, fair questions. That's very cool. Now, I've, I've, I've kind of talked about, I guess, your whole thesis already and, like, what's kind of next coming on in the, you know, the next two and a half years. So what do you, you know, you've got a month to confirmation. Like, what are you currently doing at the moment? What are you working on? So I've just drafted my proposal, um, which includes my kind of literature review and methods chapters. That's why it's also fresh in my head. Um and a basic summary of everything I've done so far. So that was good to kind of get that first draft done of that. Um, and I've just handed that over to my supervisors for a bit of feedback this week, which is nice to get that off my hands for a while. I'm yeah. sick of reading it and <laughs> reading references. Um, so then I'm going back to my kind of systematic review. So I've done the search for it and been um, starting to kind of extract and pull out and things like that. So I'll be working back on that um, and my cost analysis. So I've got some data that I'm ready to have a bit more of analysis with. I've done a little play with it and kind of seeing what it looks like. Um, so hopefully it'll be really interesting. It's always good to have a bit of a, a test plays and it's not just going <laughs> and be like, yeah, this is the final result, bang. It's good yeah. to like run a few tests and go, okay, this is kind of what we're seeing. Is it, have I done this the right way? Have I looked at it the you know, from the right angle or if I put in the wrong, I'm not sure, like are you, mm. are you using a software program or just is it just basic statistics through Excel or? Yeah, so I use SPSS for everything. Mm. 
I think it's, I always find it funny. It's one of those things of like the first thing you learn, everyone just like sticks with that. And I'm, I'm that with SPSS. I love it. Um, but yeah, like I'm using a complete new kind of statistical analysis, um, which I've never, never done before. So it definitely does take a bit of time to be like, hey, what does this even mean? And all of these numbers and all of these values, what do they actually translate to and what are they telling us? Um, so I think, yeah, you really have to spend some time going, okay, let's have a look at these results and do some test runs and really figure out what's, what, what it's telling you at all. Yeah, and what does it actually mean? Like, because, you know, you put in your, your pressy buttons and you, you click test and go and you get a number and you go, all right, cool. But then what does that number mean? Or what what is it, um, I guess, how do you interpret the number to then get a, a result in the text to say this is what this means rather than just 36 or yeah. um, 29 or whatever? So that's really yes. cool. Yeah, that's where I love uh, the SPSS guide uh, handbook or something like that julie palant like my little bible uh, tells you exactly and then how to interpret this and how would you present this if you're going to talk about it okay that's what i need because yeah statistics can be really overwhelming at first i love those little books that like i've not had to use it for spss particularly but um when i'm learning a method of like qual or whatever or even how to write a systematic review, like the Prisma guidelines. I'm like, great. If I write this chapter, bang, cool. That paragraph, yep. Like, like, a, like it's like holding your hand through the way, and you go, cool. I can't screw this up. Like, it, it might sound really bad, but I've got the gist of it, um, and that's a really, I think, important part of, um, like, the PhD is a whole learning experience, and having mm. having other things besides your supervisors that you can find to try and push you uh, in the right direction is a really uh, good skill to be able to try and identify those. Yeah, it's kind of like we were talking about the other day as a team. It's like it's a bit like a recipe. Like it's really just you follow the steps and you report this, and this is what that first you know in your discussion the first bit should be summarising what you've just like all the results, and then the last bit you know you're talking about limitations and your conclusions, and then you you know recommendate like it is really a recipe. And once you follow it, you're like, oh, this is actually like it's less scary now. <laughs> Yeah, that's right, and you get better at it, and then you can you know you can make it quicker or make it taste better, and it's like mm. with your with your the I guess the way you develop the way that you write or um this the the way you even structure when you sit down for writing time, it's like cool, I can you know I don't personally, but like you can put music on or you can do whatever because you're a bit more comfortable in knowing what to do. Um, yeah, especially when you know the data so well as well, you don't even have to look at it; you can just write it. So yeah. Um. And so confirmation, a month's time, mm. uh, and then it's kind of like, so you would have started, what, this time a year ago then? No, I started um, end of, or well, start of February. Oh, okay, cool. All right. Well, that's yeah. that's an early confirmation. That's very good. That's awesome. Yeah, we could do it any time kind of within that first year, and I thought, I don't want to leave it too late until Christmas, and I was kind of keen to get it, get it done. Um just in case I had any feedback that, you know, to change anything in particular. Um, but, yeah, so I'm really excited to, to get in there and do it. And, yeah, so I've got a busy next year, so I thought it would be good to get it done this year as well. Yeah, no, good work. And do you, at um, at Monash, we have to do, like, a, a mid-candidature review and a pre-submission. Do you guys do the same thing? Yeah, we have a mid-candidature presentation, and I think we kind of share what we've written so far in our chapters again and then at the end we have our final thesis review um 
same thing, draft basis and presentation before we submit. Very cool. Yeah, but we don't have to do a defence or anything like that, which I'm very grateful for. Yeah, I know. I don't think that's something that is... I don't know that Monash either, but like, I don't think it's a very popular thing in Australia. I'm not quite no. sure. Um, like, I see a lot of people on Twitter, like, just defended it, and I was like, I've mm. got... And I was like, wow... Like, it's like you're going to war. Like, uh, I know, it's <laughs> scary, isn't it? I'm very glad we don't have a very good idea. You mentioned something at the very start of the podcast, and I think it's very cool, especially, uh, I think, considering the topic. You said it's like it's a big challenge, like it's a big change if this were mm. to come to, you know, fruition one day in Australia where choices schools have the choice to create their own, you know, I would, I would say there'd be some sort of state guideline of what you could provide mm. at, at a school, but how do you feel tackling such a, a big change or being at the forefront of saying, hey, this could be a cool idea? Yeah, it's kind of overwhelming. I guess I went into it and going, oh, I could change the whole thing. Um, and I've had to go, okay, what's realistic in a thesis and what's realistic in the three years of a PhD and things like that. Um, so on, I'm just contributing to a fit, like I'm, I can make a change, but I'm contributing to a field and um, it's not all going to be, you know, upheaved at the end of my, when I, the day I submit. Um, but yes, it's pretty scary. I thought, I kind of was going through and going, oh, you know, this is great. Who wouldn't, who wouldn't be interested in this? All I'm doing is amplifying voices of parents and families and hearing their needs. And I think that was a really interesting experience. I remember talking to you about it at DA when I um, did that media stuff. So about I presented some of our preliminary results at DA and we had a bit of a media release about it. And it was really interesting seeing some of the responses and going, wow, like people do, people are a bit overwhelmed by this and people are, some people aren't very responsive to it. And that's, that's okay. And I think it was a bit scary at first going like, oh, I am, this could be controversial, like, and I was so vulnerable, vulnerable feeling like putting my research out there and putting, you know, my name to all this stuff and going, I want to like make this big change. And I had to go, okay, like I need to, you know, not get too overwhelmed by this and just remember that all we can do is listen to what people want and what people need and, and hear their voices. Um, and if they don't want a transformation, then they don't like, we don't need to do something so overwhelming um so i think yeah it can be quite scary thinking oh my god like trying to change the world um but i think you have to sometimes raise it in and go no no i'm just trying to do my, my phd and do this small aspect of it and we'll see where it goes from there oh, that's a very good um i guess re- i would say reflection of what um anyone who's doing something especially in food systems or food or nutrition and it's like usually where the we're like the we're not the food police, but we're the, the people who are trying to do good in, a, mm. in something that is, um, like, we're trying to help, right? Yeah. But if people see that we're just trying to point your finger or do something that's changing what their current behaviour or current system is, and they don't like that, right? Because they don't mm. know what we know about everything else in the background that affects, um, like you said, you know, nutrition outcomes for children, food waste in hospitals, environment. And so how do you kind of internalise and be like, right, well, I need to do this for me because I need to, in three and a half years, I need to hand over a big piece of paper um, and get my doctorate and then hopefully, 
not hopefully, you will have the ability to, 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 to start making those decisions and putting your name against stuff and go, well, no, I've done all the research and the evidence. I've got it. Like, we're going to, um, you know, change this. And that's a good... The PhD, I think, in the time is is to develop that confidence mm. in yourself to just actually do that. Not saying you don't have confidence in yourself now because you're already motivated and capable and you've taken up the opportunity to do the PhD. Um but I, I think I was in the same boat as you. It's like, oh, let's, everyone's going to stop reducing food waste. No, hang on, no, no, no. You just submit your PhD and then see what you can do, you know? Like, and yeah. that's okay. It's all right. Like, especially with yourself, like controversial idea, like maybe parents, like you said, don't want to do that or something like that. Mm. And, you know, how do you, one and family. That's fine, yeah. yeah, like one family, <laughs> one parent doesn't decide your research, you know? It provides the opinion that, uh, it's good to have balance in those mm. those choices and opinions. Definitely, so. I want to hear all sides. Um, so I think, yeah, it was interesting kind of having that media response. And I think that's exactly the thing of I have done all of this reading and I've been researching in this area for, you know, a few years now, which obviously isn't long in the scheme of things, but I do feel like I've got a grasp of kind of the literature and the potential and things like that. And when you capture something for kind of a media story or a quick presentation, it is, you know, a, a tiny snippet of what is already 80 pages in my, you know, thesis. So yeah. I think it just shows when you flip it of going, okay, you when you provide a snippet, it's not going to give a full reflection of everything and people will be, you know, no one's going to understand the entire aspect of it and they don't need to and their opinions will be really interesting and they have been really helpful to me to go oh that's really cool I didn't think of how I'd cater for that or that's a good question I need to ask so it was a cool experience to go okay like how do I take this as all great positive feedback that I can use and interpret and inform and make sure my research is listening to the needs of people which is the entire framework that I'm following I guess they're more ingredients to the recipe aren't they I know, the pot's getting very full. <laughs> <laughs> now, Alex, I'd like you to tell us about one of your favourite papers of yours uh, that you've either written or contributed to, and then also uh, something for the listeners to read. Mm-hmm. Well, I only have one published paper at the moment, mm-hmm. so that would be my favourite, and it's my honours paper, so all of the results of my kind of secondary analysis of that national data um, which I really, I think it's really great to go back and look at because I'm like, such useful data, such useful contribution. But I feel quite proud of like looking back, especially at my first drafts and going like, this is it shows how far like I've come and how what it originally inspired me, I guess, in the start. So yeah, that would definitely be my favourite one. Um, and it was obviously my first experience of doing, you know, any sort of being involved in any sort of research publications and receiving kind of that external peer review of feedback and stuff which was all a very crazy overwhelming experience at the start um and now I'm a lot more comfortable with it and go oh yep that's just how it works and I understand it and I just kind of I think the paper really reflects a lot more than just you know that small experience it was the start of my you know PhD career kind of my whole research pathway that's very cool and what's it called do you know what it's, it's called? The food and nutrient, sorry, food and nutrient intake of five to twelve-year-old Australian children 
and during school hours, a secondary analysis of the 2011 to 12 National Nutrition and Physical Activity Survey. I'm looking at it now. Two citations. That's great. Yeah. It's good to have. I think I really like your, um, just, I guess your, and so all these people, so Rachel, Brittany, DeRoad and Rebecca, they all in your group now still? Yeah, so Britt's my primary supervisor, was both for honours and for um, now for PhD and Beck's our team lead. Rachel's actually from um, Newcastle um, and so we collaborated with her. She does a lot of school food research as well, which is really interesting. So it's really cool to have a few different people. Yeah, and then Dot was one of my honours supervisors as well. So yeah, it's a really nice and it was a great team to work with and all very supportive um, for my first kind of big experience of research publication and things like that. That's awesome. I never got a chance to publish my uh, honours, so that's really cool that you got a chance to do that and they kind of backed you in that experience. It's a um, That's really cool. I'm going to have a look at this. I'm going to put it in the link as well to the show notes mm, as well. Yeah. Um, the, it is, I think, a really good, what you said about reflecting on where how far you've come like and looking mm. at that and having a go like, well, look, look where I was and look where I am now or look where I'm going and it's like um, that will happen over the next, you know, say five, ten years when you go, look at this, look at that, look at that. That study was from my PhD and then that's what I did for this after my PhD and it's really cool to have that chronological and it's kind of like it, it, everything's better than it was prior, you know what I mean? And like it's like the the way when you said about going through the peer review process, it's like putting your cake in the oven and you go and then you leave it and you're like, right, it's going to burn or it's going to form good or it's going to come out and taste really good and you kind of have to find out um, mm. from, I guess, like the rest of the people you serve it to at the party, which is like the peer review. And then I really <laughs> like analogies, sorry. And then, <laughs> yeah, I like that one. Yeah. And so that's really cool that you have that. Um, I like when people, I think dietitians are pretty good at reflecting on um, their experience. So that's, that's really cool to hear. And yeah. what about something you've read or have listened to or watched? What's been... Um, good recently i have one here and this was shared with me by um dim dimity dutch who i do a phd with uh, she sits right next to me we started at the same time and is a really great support to me and um she found this paper it's called highlighting the positive aspects of being a phd student oh cool and i really like it because i find it i really resonate with it so it talks about how um, a lot of the literature out there and a lot of the you know things on Twitter and stuff like that all talk about these negative aspects of doing a PhD and doing research and they present some really interesting points about why it is a positive experience and why we should think about it as a positive experience and I think I found I find it a bit easy like so easy to fall down this rabbit hole and I remember before it was like a month or so before I started my PhD, I was on Twitter and I fell down in the depths of Twitter of, you know, PhD horror stories and remember feeling so scared and being like, what am I getting myself into? And then when I started, I went, no, that like, yes, your project might change a little bit. And yes, sometimes things happen that are really unexpected for some, for a lot of people that was a pandemic. Um, but those things are okay and, and how to turn them into kind of a positive mindset and experience. Um, so I think it's a really cool, good one. I'd recommend PhD students check it out and have a look through and, you know, the benefits of working in a different collaborative environment, which I think is a really important one for me, being in a, such a strong team and having other PhD students around me. Um, and then a few recommendations. So 
Yeah. Oh, I like that. I'm really keen to, to um, have a look at that. Is that, um, is it uh, research culture? Is that what it's called? Yes. Yeah, cool. I'll have a look at that. It looks really nice. It's because like, I think I really agree with what you said about, you know, um, and I think the worst thing that I have experienced is when I go to people and they say, what do you do? And I say, I do a PhD and they go, what's that? I think that's the worst question I get. And I'm like, oh, I, it's, I'll talk to you later. Like, I it's too hard to like, um, it's very hard to resonate with people who, or to get, res, you know, get resignation, recognition, I guess, or resonation from someone who doesn't know what it is. Um, mm. and it's like, and you, t- you speak to someone at the gym or, or whatever, run club, and I go, like, what do you do? Oh, I'm a surveyor or I'm a teacher. I'm like, oh, I, c- I know exactly what that is and I can I can learn from you. Whereas something like a PhD, it's very abstract, it's very different. It's yeah, like, it could look like anything. Yeah, literally. You could have any I You could be trying to make the new alphabet for all you know. I know. but um, yeah. And so that's really cool. So I'm going to have a, a read of that as well. So that's thank you for those recommendations. That's great. No worries. Happy to share. Now, very last question, Alex. How was your beverage yeah. out of 10? You've, you've managed to have a few sips I've seen, which is good. Yes, it was good. It's great coffee. They do good coffee here. Um, what would you rate it's it? It's still warm. Um, I would rate it a nine. Oh, that's pretty good. That's yeah. nice. It's still warm as well. That's good. My long black sitting here is cold. The key cup's done very well. I do. I used to have a one like that with the cork around it. They're so um, I love them. They're so pretty, and it I smashed know, to a million nice. pieces. And I had oh. I just had the cork left in my hand, and I was like, well, that's a bit like all the glass is gone. I just had the bit of ring, and I was like, oh well. Um, oh. But I'm just uh, I'd say this long black. I'm not sure because it's cold now. It's still going probably like a seven, six or seven. I really do yeah. like my milk, but I just yes. we just ran out this morning, so that's okay. Were they good? The nice beans, good. Yeah, actually they were. Yeah, so Blackboard's a pretty popular cafe just where I live. Um, mm-hmm. I just live in Varsity, and it's like oh a k down the road, and it's the only thing that's in Varsity. The rest is all like just standard, like Seven Eleven or whatever. Um, mm. But it's like packed morning to night every day. Yeah. Um. So no, it was good. Um, and better nice. than waiting that you have to wait a long time there for a takeaway. So I yeah. thought I'd just get the bean and get out of there, which is nice. Yeah, so, nice. Um, thank you so much for, I will hold you up just, just before you, you head off, but uh, thank you so much for your time this morning. I do really appreciate it and you sharing your experience so far and kind of telling people what your research area is and then what, where you're going to next. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I really love talking to you. To finish off, as always, thanks for listening. I really do appreciate it as this is a passion of mine. Don't forget to leave a review. It helps other people find the show. And please share this episode on your social media or tell a friend to continue spreading the message of the Cooks community. You can sign up to our weekly email by clicking the link in the description of this episode and follow us on our Instagram and Facebook at the Cooks community. Until next time, remember to breathe.